You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Hey, well, good morning, East Point Church, and Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a great new year. Um, And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel. I'm the music and creative pastor, so usually I help sing and stuff like that on Sunday mornings. But today, uh, I get to bring the message, and I'm super excited about that. Uh, And today, we're actually starting a new series called Unfinished, where we will be going through the book of Philippians. And a really cool thing about today, as we kick off this series, is that we're not going to be reading through Philippians just yet. We're kind of going to do a prequel to Philippians. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 16. And as you do so, I want you to think on this question as we get started. Have you ever placed your trust into something, in someone or something, that let you down? I hear yes. I see a few hands. All right, you still thinking about it? Have you ever been let down by something or someone? Yes. Well, I have a story that I want to share with you guys about a time when I was let down. You see, I was 14 years old when I was introduced to the great game of American football. So I grew up in Canada, okay? So a little tidbit there for you. Grew up in Canada, and uh, to be honest with you, the CFL, the Canadian Football League, is just awful, okay? It really is. So that's why I started, somebody, my friend introduced me to the NFL, uh, and my NFL team of choice was and still is the New England Patriots. Yes, I got one, one woo and a, a hundred boos. So, but man, the year I started watching the NFL was the year that the Patriots went 16-0 and in, the, in their season. Remember that? They were 16-0. and They were undefeated. They were unstoppable. Unstoppable. Let me tell you, it was an incredible time to be a fan. All right, I was like, man, I picked a good team here. This is great. First playoff game. Another win, right? 17-0. Second playoff game, you guessed it, another W, 18-0, okay? So now we're getting down to it. It's the last game of the season. It's the Super Bowl. They just need to win one more game. They have the perfect season, 19-0, and they would be crowned Super Bowl champions. Come on, who could stop the New England Patriots, right? And I'll never, thank you. You beat me to the punch, sir. Hopefully you didn't hear it over there and I'll laugh later. But I remember vividly it was 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter with two minutes and 42 seconds left on the clock. And there is Eli Manning. It's third and five. If the Patriots just hold them off here, like, that's it, right? We're golden. Ball is snapped. Eli Manning gets it, tosses it high in the sky. There's no way that uh, David Tyree is going to get this. And then all of a sudden, this is where the famous helmet catch happens. I don't know if you guys remember this, 2007. But he literally caught the ball on his helmet. And he gets down to the floor, and I was like, there's no way. He's coming up with it, and he was good. And in that moment, I was like, okay, like, Daniel, stay calm, because you know what? There is still time for the Patriots to hold them off. There's still time to win this thing. But unfortunately, all right, this this catch just gave enough momentum to the Giants where they scored the game-winning touchdown or crowned Super Bowl champions. So who could stop the New England Patriots? 
Now you can say it. The New York Giants could stop the Patriots. I was devastated. And I learned the lesson that people, sports teams, things, they'll let us down. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one in this room who has experienced disappointment. Um, But is there anything in this life that's a sure thing? Is there something that we could put our trust in or build our lives upon that will never fail us? And there is something today that I want to talk about that has faced opposition for thousands of years and nothing has been able to stop it. Do you know what that is? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we read and talk through our passage in Acts 16, we're going to see what happens to those who oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to bring us up to speed, I'll give a little bit of backstory. I like to know, if I'm going to read something, I kind of like to know, like, you know, where we are in a story. So in Acts chapter 16, um, Paul is on his second missionary journey, and he wants to go preach the gospel in Asia, okay? Got a little map for you guys here, all right? And you can see it up there. But Paul wants to go preach in Asia. He wants to go to this new land that ha- that, where the gospel has never been preached, but the, Holy, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid him to do so. And then one night, he has this vision of this man from this place called Macedonia, which is just above Asia there. And this guy says in this vision, he says, come and preach the gospel to us. So what does Paul do in very Paul fa- fashion? He wakes up from this vision, and then without delay, he and his team go to Macedonia, where the gospel has never been preached. And the first place that they stop is a city called Philippi. All right, so we'll be going through the book of Philippians, yay. So now you're seeing how it's all coming together. All right, they stop in this city named Philippi. And Philippi was a very wealthy city because of nearby gold mines. It was a Roman colony, and they received a lot of commercial traffic. And because of its popularity, Philippi had a diverse population which consisted of a mixture of Greeks, Romans, Thracians, and other foreigners. And of course, along with diverse people group, you get a diverse, uh, you get a diverse mixture of idol worship. Emperor worship was prominent in Philippi, as well as the worship of Greek, Roman, Thracian, Egyptian, and Asia Minor, de- Asia Minor deities. There was a god, seriously, for everything. It was the god buffet, all right? You needed, if you needed finances, you'd pray to this God. You needed rain, you'd pray to this God. You needed sun, this God, right? The list goes on. So depending on what you needed, you would worship that specific God. But Paul and Silas are coming to town, and they're there to preach Jesus Christ, who's the all-sufficient one. He does not share the throne with any other gods, and no one is superior to him. So can you already sense the opposition and the tension that's about to happen here? All right, let's start reading. We're going to start in verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, "'These men are servants of the Most High God.'" who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out 
that very hour. When we first settle down and open our books, we're greeted by a slave girl. But not just any slave girl, no. The, the Bible says this young girl is a fortune teller. And when you and I think of fortune teller, we may think of, right, big circus tent, some old lady with a turban and a mole on her cheek, right, with a crystal ball, anyone else? Right, but that's not who we're greeted by here. This slave girl was one of the many fortune tellers in her day. And at the time, there were no weather predictions or televised breaking news. If you wanted to know something about what was going to happen tomorrow or in the future, you would go to see a fortune teller. It was customary even for kings and emperors to go to oracles where they would predict the outcome of a war or a battle for a very large sum of money, right? There was a lot of money that, that was to be made if you were or if you owned a fortune teller. And as we read on, read on we see that this girl, she's pretty gifted. I mean, as gifted as you can be uh, being possessed by a demon. And under demon possession, she accurately describes the God that Paul and Silas serve. She refers to him as Elion, or the Most High God. The term Most High or Elion in the Hebrew was a name given to God that emphasized his sovereignty. Jesus had a similar encounter in Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8, where Jesus met a man who was filled with demons, and the demons in him were also quick to recognize Jesus for who he was. Right? And this affirms the scripture that we see in Romans chapter 14 that says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Even, right, the tongues of demons confess. They know. And after days of this slave girl following Paul and Silas around, talking about God, Paul becomes irritated, or as the ESV says, which I love this, he becomes greatly annoyed. How many of you have been greatly annoyed before? Or you have that little thing, you know, following you around and like, things. I don't know. You could all think of something. But he was greatly annoyed. This is not mildly irritated. He is super irritated, right? Day after day, he's hearing this. And you would think, right, that Paul would be glad to hear that this young girl speaks about his God, but Paul was not. And there are a few reasons why Paul was annoyed rather than pleased. One theory is that Paul may not have wanted people to associate the fortune teller with his message. Paul is coming to preach about the God. He doesn't want Jesus to be added to a list of small g gods in Macedonia. We also see in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12 that God opposes the occult. The Lord bans the use of things like astrology, divination, etc. because the future belongs to God. Those seeking outside of God for guidance and information are seeking in the wrong direction. And another theory is that Paul feared that when people, when the people of Philippi heard the term most high, they would get confused, right? Because this is, they don't all speak Hebrew in Macedonia, right? A lot of them are Greek speakers. So the Greek word for most high is hypsistos, all right? So now you're getting a little language lesson today. What was most high in Hebrew? Elion, very good. And hypsistos in Greek. So now you can impress your friends, Okay. But the people of Philippi would have associated Hypsistos with another Greco-Roman god, someone like Zeus. 
Either way, you can see why Paul would be frustrated. So finally, at his wit's end, Paul commanded the spirit of divination to leave the slave girl's body. And we don't know how long this girl had been living in that spiritual bondage, but it only took a moment for the spirit of God to deliver her. Why? Because spiritual chains can't stop the gospel. Ephesians 6.12 warns us that we, church, we are at war. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are at war. And the good news is that we are not alone in this battle, but we have the power, presence, and the authority of Jesus through the working of his spirit. See, when Paul commanded the spirit to leave, did he do that in the name of Paul? No. He did that, right, in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now we have the spirit of God. It's the name of Jesus that causes chains to break, therefore bringing freedom. And though we are at war, we don't have to be afraid because Jesus already won the victory and we belong to him. As we learned in the month of December, right, God is with us. God is with you. And when God is at work, there is no spiritual force that stands a chance. Right? We could read that and we could be like, wow, I'd rather fight against flesh and blood because that sounds a whole lot scary, right? If I can't see it, that's probably more terrifying. But we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. No spiritual force stands a chance. No spiritual chain can stop the gospel. But that doesn't stop the opposition, does it? Let's keep going. The slave girl has been set free, but her freedom results in Paul and Silas's imprisonment. Let's keep reading in verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Now, not only was the spirit uh, keeping this girl in bondage, but it also had a grip on the owners. The slave girl's bondage meant financial gain for them. And instead of being moved by this profound miracle, they were blinded by their greed. Fueled by disappointment and filled with anger, they dragged Paul and Silas before the authorities. And here's what happens next. And when they had brought them, Paul and Silas, to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Right? Some, some welcome party, right? Come to Philippi, we'll beat you and put, throw you in prison. That's where you laugh, but okay. <laughs> Situation escalates. Paul and Silas, they're not treated fairly, and they didn't receive a proper trial. There are three charges against them. The first, these men are Jews, the slave owners are trying to turn this, uh, against, turn this into an us versus them situation, even though, little to their knowledge, 
Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Next thing, Paul and Silas, they were disturbing our city. The magistrates, their responsibility, their role was to ensure the peace of the city. So, right, the owners are playing at that, they're playing on that angle, right? Hey, these guys are causing unrest, and you guys are the ones who are supposed to be keeping the peace. And then the last thing, Paul and Silas were advocating customs that are not lawful for us Romans to practice. Now, notice that the slave owners, they didn't, know, they didn't mention anything about the slave girl. And without a chance to defend themselves, Paul and Silas were attacked, stripped of their clothes, and beaten. They were thrown into the inner cell of the prison and fastened in stocks. And the Romans were just super creative with how they tortured people. Because not only were they just fastened in stocks to a wall, but there would be actually a metal pipe that would come across their knees where they wouldn't be able to lie down or rest of any kind. Right? This is just the worst day. Paul, who had just helped deliver someone from spiritual chains, now finds himself in physical chains. The injustice. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty ticked off. I mean, Paul was just trying to do something good, and now he's locked up, half naked, with bloody bruises. If anyone deserves a good vent session, it would be Paul. But Paul and Silas, they don't complain. Instead, they sing like crazy people. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Paul and Silas rejoiced in the midst of their suffering. Why? Because physical chains can't stop the gospel. Instead of complaining, they pray and they sing hymns to God. What a scene. You can't make, you really can't make any of this stuff up. Like, I could just imagine the look on the other prisoners' faces when they're seeing Paul and Silas singing. Hey, Larry, Larry, get a load of the new guys. Too many hits to the head with the rods, that one, huh? And he'd have a point, right? The last thing, maybe I'm speaking for y'all, but I'm, okay, I'm speaking for myself here. I don't know about you, but the last thing I'd want to do, I, or I would feel like doing after getting falsely accused, beaten, and thrown into prison is praise. How could they possibly find a reason to sing? But church, this is the gospel. It's a hope, a joy so independent of circumstances that you can still find the strength for a song even in your darkest moments. They aren't singing because the sun is shining and that they know what tomorrow holds and that they know that everything will work out immediately in their favor. No. They are singing in the middle of the storm because their hope is in all that Jesus has for them, all that he has said. They believed what he promised, that the gospel cannot and will not be stopped. So here they are, Paul and Silas, singing hymns to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Well, what's that? 
all of a sudden this earthquake breaks out that completely rattles the foundation of the prison and everyone's chains fall off. Every prison door is open. Philippi was prone to having earthquakes now and then, but this, this was no coincidence. This was a miracle. This was an act of God. And once again, God delivers, and this time quite literally. Oftentimes, the things we think will limit the gospel are the things that move the gospel forward. Isn't that powerful? The things that we think will limit the gospel are the things that move the gospel forward. The persecuted church in China and the Middle East are still growing. Why? Because nothing can stop the gospel. In 2020, when the physical church had to close its building, the church, meaning the people within these walls, where we found new and creative ways to get the message out to the world, the live streams, the food drives, social media exploded with the message of the gospel. And the church is learning how to be the church outside of the auditorium, in their communities, not just in the building on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter who or what tries to stop the gospel, because those things will only help its advancement. No matter who's in power, no matter the financial situation, no matter if we are in prison, no matter if we're allowed to meet, the gospel of Jesus Christ will move forward. Why? Because in order for there to be a miracle, there needs to be a hopeless situation. I think God thrives in these moments. And where we are weak, where we feel like, God, there's no other way, God thrives in those moments because he's like, all right, I'm going to do my thing. And I know that there are stories even in this room of God's faithfulness, of God's miraculous working in your lives. I encourage you to share that. Share that. Take someone out to lunch and share that. It's good to remember, especially as we go into 2022, remember what God has done. Our God is a miracle-working God. And God isn't done working miracles yet in our story. The prison doors are open. The chains have fallen off. But there's one more prisoner that Christ wants to set free. You ready? All right, let's read on. Verse 27, when the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to, and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God." Enter on the scene a new character, the antagonist, the jailer. He would have been there when Paul and Silas were dragged, bloody and beaten through the halls of the prison and were thrown into their cell. And it would have been his job to keep them there. And imagine that it's your responsibility to mind all of the prisoners and out of nowhere, 
an earthquake turns everything upside down. Tell me, what would you tell your boss? I don't know what I would say. The jailer knew what would happen if he told the magistrates the prisoners have escaped. Just a few chapters earlier in Acts chapter 12, we see a little bit of a, of a similar uh, story where an angel breaks the apostle Peter out of prison. And the king at the time, King Herod, he was a little crazy, he was so furious that he sentenced the, guard, the guards to a grisly death. Our jailer knows that he's going to meet a similar fate. And instead of waiting to be humiliated and tortured, he takes matters into his own hands. Before he can kill himself, though, he hears a voice shouting, Do not harm yourself! We are all here! The jailer stops for a moment. I hear a voice. There's no way. The jailer calls for lights. There's no way that the prisoners are still here. And the light reveals what Paul had said. The prisoners remained in their cells. The jailer couldn't believe it. Another miracle. They were still here. His life was spared. The gravity of this moment literally brought this man to his knees. Earlier, it may have been easy to disregard the story of the slave girl who was um, shouting from the rooftops, right, that these are the men who know the way of salvation. But now, this brush with death shifted something in the jailer. He was ready now to hear more. Paul and Silas, they share the message of Christ with him. And the jailer, along with his whole household, received salvation. The jailer's eyes were opened. He whose job was, it was to keep people imprisoned was imprisoned himself to sin. But the miracle that brought freedom to Paul and Silas also brought freedom to he and his family. Physical chains didn't hold back the gospel. Rather, God turned the situation around. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. And just like, pay attention to how many times he says, set free, good news, things like that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the oppressed. He broke the ultimate chains of sin and death because not even sin and death can stop the gospel. Jesus' death and resurrection is the greatest underdog story. When Jesus died on the cross, it seemed as if all hope had been lost. Right? I can imagine his disciples who heard so much about what was going to happen, and, and Jesus is telling about all these things that are, that are going to happen, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is dead. He's in this tomb. I was like, that's it? But it wasn't it. It seemed as if the enemy had finally won, but the God of redemption said, I'll take what the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to turn it around 
for good. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away, and our Savior rose to life and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And the ultimate irony is, uh, is that the enemy's attacks, the ultimate irony of the enemy's attacks is that it was through Christ's death that we have life. It is through Christ's stripes that we are healed. And we can be confident in this church that the gospel will never disappoint those who put their trust in it. Never. I'm not saying that you won't experience disappointment in your life. But it does mean that God always holds his end of the deal. God will never fail us. God will never let us go. And even when things didn't go as planned, Paul for Paul and Silas, God used that hopeless situation, turned it around, and performed miracle after miracle after miracle. They came to preach the gospel to a place that had never heard of it before. And at the first sight of, of God's power, right, they're beaten and thrown into prison. I would be wondering, Lord, should we have not come here? Did I misinterpret what you said? I had a vision of this man saying, come to Macedonia and preach the gospel, but God, they're not even receiving us. Maybe we made a mistake. But see what happens? When things didn't go according to their plans, man, God still did something incredible. And today, God's people, we may rejoice because we know that nothing can stop the gospel from its forward movement. No spiritual chains, no physical chains. Church, not even sin or death can stop it. And this is the good news. The plans to stop the gospel, they have failed and they're going to continue to fail. We know how the story ends, that our God is victorious and that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And the message today should encourage us and instill boldness in us to go and proclaim the good news. So as we conclude today, I want us to respond in two ways. The first is reflection. I asked the question earlier, have you placed your trust into something or someone that let you down? To which most everyone in the room uh, responded, yes. My follow-up question that I want us to reflect on as we enter the new year is, what or who are you placing your trust in? What or who are you placing your trust in? As believers, we need to keep ourselves in check because it's in our nature to want to gravitate towards the things that won't satisfy us. In hopeless situations or desperate times, it's easy to look at other things for help and safety. So for you, what is it today? What are those things? Lord, help us to trust in you alone. And if you're not walking in obedient life, surrender to God, I want you to know that he's waiting for you. I want you to know that God loves you, and we as a church, we love you. And maybe you feel like a prisoner today. Maybe you can relate to the story of the slave girl or to the jailer. And you feel like a prisoner maybe to your past or even to your present. But I want you to know that that's a false jail. You see, your chains are already loose. The prison door is already wide open. Jesus is just inviting you to come and take a step out in faith and join him in a whole new life.
You see, following Jesus isn't for good people. The gospel is actually for those who recognize that they're not good and need a savior. Amen? And that's all of us in this room this morning, from the oldest to the youngest. And if you recognize that you need a savior this morning, I'd love to pray for you. And you can also come talk to me or Sam or a person you came with about what it means to follow Jesus. But the second way that I want us to respond this morning is praise. Paul and Silas's first response was to praise when everything was going wrong around them. Why? Because the gospel will never disappoint those who put their trust in it. And will never. You know, I was talking last night with my wife, Kayla, and uh, I was saying, man, like, I got... We go through a lot less. I've never, uh, you know, been beaten, thrown into prison or anything like that. And there's still times where my first reaction is to complain about something rather than to praise. And I'm like, Lord, just help me in that. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me realize that God, every, that the gospel will never disappoint. And everything that, everything that Paul and Silas needed was found in Christ. And they knew that the gospel would not be stopped. So this morning, I'm going to invite you. Let's praise and rejoice that we serve a God that never fails and he never will. I believe and know that as we praise and as we commit our lives to following Jesus, we will see things change. Let us start off 2022 encouraged by the fact that our God reigns, that he is with us, and that he is coming back for us. I'm going to invite you to stand and let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are a good father to us. We thank you, Jesus, that, that you are with us, God, even hearing this story of Paul and Silas, Lord. And God, it wasn't on their own strength that they, that they went through these trials, that they went through the trials of being beaten and thrown into prison. But Lord Jesus, it was because of you you being there with them. It was through your strength, God, that they were able to go and to proclaim the good news. And Father, I pray this morning that we would be a people that are encouraged, Father, that we would, as we leave this place this morning, that we would boldly proclaim the good news everywhere that we go, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray as we reflect even on who we are placing our trust in this morning, Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to trust in you alone. When we are tempted to look the other way, when we are tempted to put our trust in things that seem easy or that will satisfy us in the moment, Father, remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who, who haven't made that decision to follow you yet and are wanting to, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to move on hearts, Lord Jesus, and it's just such an amazing thing. as we've seen in the life of the jailer whose life was transformed. Lord, you are a God who transforms lives. You forgive. You give new life. And you never let us down. We thank you that you're a God who can be trusted. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. 
It's your stories that encourage us and what we do. And we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week. We want to.